Our first lesson today comes from 1 Kings chapter 19. But Elijah himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones in a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food for forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. The word of our Lord. The Holy Gospel for this morning is from John chapter 6. I'm only reading one verse, so we're going to stand up and sit down pretty quickly. I've abbreviated it, so thank you for your willingness to be flexible. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Gospel of our Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning, beautiful people of Shepherd of the Hills. I have seriously missed you. Um, as I was saying at the beginning, I've been on sabbatical for 10 weeks now, and um, I thought instead of telling you each individually about my time, I would maybe do it a little bit collectively. Um, but before I do that, I just want to say it's so wonderful to be back in this community, to see your smiling faces, to receive your hugs and words of encouragement and prayers during my time away. It was indeed a refreshing time. Um, and the last week, we were all at home together, not all, but me and the girls, and like the, everyone agreed it was time for me to go back to work, my children and me. Um, if that gives any, any indication of what life was like at home last week, um, I started back on Monday. During my time, though, um, I got to do a number of things. I spent about two weeks doing a lot of yoga. I, went, I signed up for unlimited monthly yoga in Hopkins, which was fantastic. And I can tell you what I like and what I don't like. I found that out quickly and even did some Tai Chi reading and meditation. I also was able to volunteer locally with Habitat for Humanity doing women's builds out in St. Paul. I went on a number of those. And then in mid-June, I took a trip to the Dominican Republic where I did an international Habitat build, which was a fantastic opportunity where we partnered with local people. Actually, the pastor in the community was also the head contractor on our site. Um, made me feel like I need to wear some more hats. Um, and we built um, most of a house and other Habitat builds finished that later on this summer, which was really cool. And then in July, our family went on a road trip of biblical proportions. For 40 days and 40 nights, we explored the wilderness of Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, New York City, Boston, and Maine, and some parts of Canada. Okay, it wasn't really 40 days and 40 nights. That would be crazy. But it was 22. And if you asked my children... They might say it felt like 40 days and 40 nights, because it was long. Yes. 
Jeff, my husband, did join us for part of that adventure, a good portion of it, two weeks of it. And when we dropped him off at the airport in Maine, he said, wow, that was just the perfect length for a vacation. I feel so refreshed and rejuvenated, and I'm ready to go home. And we were all in the car with a 1,000 miles to drive, and we're like, it was the perfect length. Ah! <laughs> So we waved goodbye to Jeff and looked at each other and thought, oh boy, <laughs> we've got another week together in this car and many adventures to go on in between. How are we going to make it through? So you can imagine my delight when I came in on Monday morning and read through the various texts assigned for this week, and one of them was about a road trip and about a guy who wanted to give up on his road trip, and I was like, I can relate. That makes sense. I'm preaching on First Kings, Sean. <laughs> so our text for this morning is one where Elijah does go on kind of a road trip. He only makes it one day into his journey in the wilderness before he lays down underneath the broom tree and says, I'm done. And this is where I really gave thanks for my trip because nobody did that on day two. Everyone was still enthusiastic. I mean, on day 17, if you're kind of ready to be done, I think that's not bad, right? Well, Elijah, the prophet, is on this big adventure. In fact, I would argue that since the very beginning of Elijah's ministry, he's been on a road trip of sorts. He's been traveling his entire time. And when we meet him in chapter 19, he is actually ready to be done. Not only with the trip, but with life, with faith, he's exhausted. Luckily, he somehow makes it through. But the trip he needs to continue on is actually one that is life-changing for him. One that's important, but he needs some help along the way. So Elijah is one of my favorite biblical characters. I love him for a number of reasons. One, because like really crazy wackadoo things happen to him, and I think it's kind of funny. And the other is because Elijah is so brutally honest about when life is hard, and that he's so authentic that I can relate to him. So I want to tell, talk to you a little bit about his whole story. His story actually begins about two chapters earlier in 1 Kings 17. And when Elijah comes onto the scene, he is immediately preaching. He comes out and he says, As the Lord our God lives, it will not rain for a long time, years. Neither dew nor rain will fall until I say... So he's proclaiming this living God and then also really bad news. Like, there's a drought, we're going to live in it. And then God kind of taps Elijah on the story and says, Okay, Elijah, thanks for the good sermon. Now you need to hit the road. And here's where you're going to travel to. You're going to go east to a ravine where you'll live in a cave and be fed by ravens and drink water from the brook. I would just like to say my trip planning is a lot better than God's in this instance. Like, we stayed in Airbnbs and hotels, and we had real restaurant food. Anyhow, Elijah goes, 
And he gets to that ravine, and lo and behold, ravens feed him the roadkill, and he drinks from the brook, and there's a drought. And part of me would love to have like a journal supplement to the Bible, like day one, view is nice, water clear. Day 10, tired of eating squirrel. Day 40, get me out of here. Well, Elijah goes, and he lives in this ravine, and then one day God taps him again and says, next stage of your journey, Elijah, you are now going to travel to Zarephath, a foreign city where you're going to go live with a widow, and she'll feed you. I mean, let's face it, that's better than the ravens. So Elijah gets up and goes, and we don't know exactly how he's feeling, but instead of preaching, as he did previously coming onto the scene, he instead walks into the village of Zarephath, sees the widow, and says, can I have some water and bread? The widow, however, looks at him, and she becomes the one who proclaims the gospel to Elijah. She looks at him and says, as the Lord your God lives... I have neither bread for you or food for myself. She's living in a time of drought, and it is desperate and hard, and yet she is still proclaiming the gospel. And once Elijah is reminded about that living God, all of a sudden Elijah declares the promises to the widow. You know what he says? You have a jar of oil in your house, and that jar will not run out as long as I am with you. And so she goes home and she bakes bread and they live on that oil and that bread and they have water and he lives with that widow until God taps him again. Get back on the road, Elijah. So Elijah goes. This time he has to confront King Ahab and battle the prophets of Baal and it's all very dramatic And Elijah in this moment is very faithful. He proves to the people and anyone listening that this living God that he has relied on for so long is real. That when called upon, God will bring fire and rain from heaven. But as soon as he's done with this, Queen Jezebel threatens his life. I'm going to kill you, Elijah, she says. And so Elijah goes on the final stage of his road trip. This time not because God said, go, Elijah, but because Elijah is tired and he's scared and he is hopeless, and so he runs. He goes into the wilderness, and this is where we met him this morning, laying down under the solitary broom tree, ready to give up. He is no longer preaching. He is no longer even hearing the gospel proclaimed to him by other people, but instead he feels all alone and desperate. And so he lays down, ready to give up. Now I will say, it never got that desperate on our road trip. We were able to find good food and adventure that we could look forward to on each day. And we did make it through that next seven days because we had friends and other people who encouraged us, which was wonderful. But I do remember a time in my own life where I felt a little bit like Elijah, and probably not the magnitude of what he was feeling. I had come home, it was August actually, I had come home after a summer of working at camp and it had been a year where I had traveled a ton. 
I had gone from Madison, where I went to school, Wisconsin in December, home, and then to Paris for a semester abroad, which was amazing. I'm not complaining about this at all, only to turn around and immediately go out to be a camp counselor in Montana. And when I came home at the end of August after having led backpack trips and had this whole summer out there, I laid down in my family's house and, like, didn't really move. My mom brings this up still to this day. She'll say, remember that summer where she, like, couldn't get her stuff together and we had to help her? So for those of you who have had college students, my, my, all my stuff was in the living room of my parents' home. You know, like the stuff that you have to like somehow get in a car and bring back with you. And I had set like the time to leave. Like I'm going to leave on Tuesday. And Tuesday came and the stuff was in the living room and so was I. And then Wednesday came and the stuff was still there and so was I. And my mom was like, I thought you were leaving today. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get there. And then Thursday came, and she's like, when are you going back to school? And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. And that evening, she turned to my dad and said, I don't think she can do this, which was kind of a first. So they packed up my stuff. They loaded my car. They fed me dinner. And I got back to school. I don't remember driving, but I do remember them packing up my stuff and loading my car and feeding me. And somehow that help gave me what I needed to get back on the road and back into my life. And I think that's what happens to us from time to time. There are moments where we're so exhausted And I don't know where you are right now in the midst of your summer. Maybe you're like, yeah, things are great. I've been refreshed. That's how I feel. Woo! Thanks for the time off. I feel great. Or our kids who came home from camp, I hope they're excited. Although my own kid has a cold this morning and is at home not feeling so great. Or maybe you're like, we have a whole month before the kids go back to school. I'm ready. Or maybe you're just tired in general, like life's hard, work is difficult, things aren't going the way you hoped, and you're ready to just lay down. That's how Elijah felt. And yet, God provided cake, a jar of water, and words of encouragement Elijah's story is a story about God's providence. Throughout it all, God provided for him. I mean, roadkill and water from a brook, bread and community and other people of faith, and in the end, even hotcakes served to him. And all of that made a difference. They don't seem like big things, perhaps, but I believe that this is the way in which God works in our lives and in our world. It is through simple things like bread and water and companionship and encouragement that we get. And every day and every week, actually, in just a moment, we'll come together and we'll eat the bread of life that God gives to us that reminds us in those moments where we have forgotten that we are loved, that you are indeed loved. That you can have hope because that living bread, it comes into our bodies, it nourishes us, it feeds us, and it gives us strength so that we might go out and we might continue on that journey of life and faith that God has called us on. Amen.